The Murthy Law Firm has been clarifying U.S. immigration laws and procedures for foreign nationals since 1994. Teleconferences and podcasts were added to the resources available online in 2012. We are happy to offer this free service. Please listen to copyright information and restrictions at the end of this recording. Now, we are pleased to introduce attorney Sheila Murthy. Welcome. I am Sheila Murthy, President and CEO of the Murthy Law Firm. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. I'm honored to welcome each of you to our discussion on the Biden administration's immigration policy updates. Joining with me for the teleconference today are Joel Janovich and Allison Terry, both of whom have several years of experience doing immigration law, are knowledgeable, brilliant, and esteemed colleagues of mine at the Murthy Law Firm. And it's our pleasure to go over some of the highlights uh, with you all today. Uh, as you can see, uh, almost everything related to immigration that was done by the prior administration is trying to be undone, whether it, whether it is through executive actions, policy changes, or regulations. Uh, or regulatory changes. So even if Congress does not act, the expectations have been high for the Biden administration to do something positive and quickly to alleviate the crisis that had been happening over the past four years. Um, last Friday, April 30th, was Biden's 100 days in office. So as I said, you know, in addition to undoing a lot of the Trump actions, of course, all of us are familiar that just effective from yesterday, May 4th, midnight, 12.01 a.m., the policy preventing people coming from countries that have been badly impacted by COVID uh, is in effect for 30 days, but it seems to be primarily concerned with a health-related issue and not necessarily a long-term policy issue unlike the prior administration. So we certainly hope that people in India and other countries that are dealing with this health crisis are able to take care of it, become safe, so that they can continue to travel freely. With that, I'm going to touch briefly upon the policies of the Biden administration in undoing uh, the prior administration's actions. Uh, for starters, during uh, the first 24 hours in office, President Joe Biden issued a number of executive orders to counteract actions taken by the prior administration. He ended the so-called Muslim ban. He has re-implemented protections for DREAMers and directed the Department of Homeland Security to set new priorities for enforcement actions tar to target undocumented immigrants, uh, with criminal convictions. The Biden administration has also eliminated Trump's Buy American, Hire American policy, which really used Baja uh, in order to scapegoat foreign nationals and try to deny H-1 extensions or L-1 extensions or even new H-1s and L-1s from renewing and you know, starting uh, or approving F-1 OPT students, etc. Biden has also allowed the travel ban that impacted certain visa categories like the H-1, the L-1, the J's, and the H-2Bs to expire. As most of us know, uh, one of them, the immigrant visa ban, was, uh, was uh, uh, terminated by the Biden administration earlier, but the non-immigrant one expired 
terminated on March 31st of 2021. Um, so it, potentially that particular ban uh, is no longer in operation and has not been renewed. And the Biden administration has stopped defending lawsuits which challenged the public charge rule that was put in place by the prior administration. So pretty much this has served to end the public charge rule altogether. And one final point I want to make is that President Biden and the administration has delayed the implementation of a number of regulations uh, that would have an adverse impact on H1, L1, and other workers or those going through the perm process and green card. For example, the uh, rule that would prioritize wage levels and give higher opportunities for approval for those in level one and level two as opposed to, for example, three and four. Similarly, the rule to increase prevailing wage rates for H-1B, E-3s, and PERM cases has also been delayed until November 2022. Well, one very interesting uh, um, um, issue is that the Biden administration has nominated in the highest position at the U.S. Department of Homeland Security a very important person that will have a long-lasting impact on the administration because it always trickles from the top. So, Joe, I'm going to invite you to talk a little bit about Alejandro Mayorkas. Yeah, so um, Mayorkas is, is, uh, has been nominated or has now been confirmed as the Secretary of Department of Homeland Security, the DHS. Uh, Mayorkas is pretty well known among immigration practitioners because he was the director of the USCIS under Obama, um, under the Obama administration. He was then promoted uh, or you know, moved to the deputy, deputy secretary of the DHS. And now under uh, President Biden, he becomes the secretary of the DHS. He's the um, first Latino to serve in that position. Um, he is from Cuba. Um, and I, I think probably the most important uh, thing to keep in mind about Mallorca's being um, uh, confirmed is that he has tended to show a pro-immigrant, pro-immigration attitude. Um, he was involved with the creation of the H-4 EAD program. Um, and I think that says a lot about his attitude towards immigrants. He doesn't see them as foreign nationals coming here to compete with U.S. workers. He sees the uh, foreign nationals coming here to expand the tax base to improve the U.S. economy. Uh, he recognizes, I mean, frankly, that's what all the data shows. That's what all the studies show. They're not scared of having additional workers in the workforce because they end up improving um, the, the U.S. economy and, and the U.S. Uh, job market. Um, do you want to talk maybe, um, Allie, a little bit about the proposed immigration reform bill? Sure. So Biden, the, Biden and really the administration proposed back in January, they first announced this proposed bill. Uh, it's really the administration's most ambitious act, I think, so far. And, you know, it's, it involves a really big overhaul of the immigration system, which is largely outdated and is pretty old, so we could use it. Uh, their stated purpose for the whole bill in this act is to restore humanity and American values to the U.S. immigration system. Uh, I think the most important thing to kind of stress here, though, is that this really is just a proposal at this point. It's kind of a dream bill. Bill, It's ideal. It's, we want to see all of this in here. That's what everything Biden wants is in there. Uh, unfortunately, 
you know, it would have to go through Congress and it's going to be amended and things are going to be added and potentially taken away. So the proposed bill the way it is now, if it ever is passed, it's not going to look the same. Um, but it's still, I think, worth addressing what is in there and what Biden would like to do. So in terms of the impact on employment immigration law, um, you're looking at he wants to eliminate backlogs for employment-based green cards by allowing people to recapture unused visas, uh, to eliminate the per-country cap for employment-based green cards, which again will help with that kind of backlog, uh, provide a statutory work authorization for H-4 spouses, and also allow the Department of Homeland Security to adjust the number of green cards that are available each fiscal year based on economic conditions. So instead of having one set number, it's always the same, they can actually just adjust it based on what's going on at that time. Thank you, Ali. It certainly sounds like a very, very wonderful sweeping overhaul of the U.S. immigration system, as you noted, and will add a ton of immigrant visa numbers back, result in much lesser backlogs, speed up EADs, speed up all of you know wonderful series of events, which I know is like a dream come true for so many people who have been waiting 10, 20, or 30 years for the green card, but you know whether, like you said, that the Congress and legislators will actually pass it, whether it will get passed, with what, what changes or, you know, we're talking, again, sometimes the other side in these debates just takes the opposite point of view, even if they are in agree, agreeing in principle to these issues because it just seems to be the name of the game. But a very important uh, change that happened fairly recently, just a couple in the past couple of weeks, was the USCIS deference policy, uh, on, which was on April 27th where the USCIS issued a policy alert to announce that it would reinstate the prior policy, which requires officers to give deference to prior determinations. This is a direct reversal of the prior administration's actions, which rescinded the policy back in 2017 as part of their continued push to put as many obstacles as possible in the immigration process, and many of us saw how what we thought were simple H-1B extensions for someone who had been on H-1 or L-1 status up after 10 or 15 years getting RFEs and then denials and having to sell their homes, their cars, their lives, their assets, and move back to uh, you know, their home countries. Um, what the, this April 27th announcement does is that it reinstates the 2004 policy, which requires that the USCIS give respect slash deference to the prior determination when adjudicating extension requests involving the same parties, the same facts, and unless there is some type of either a material error or a material change in circumstances or an eligibility or some type of fraud like new material information that adversely impacts the petitioner or the applicant's or the beneficiary's eligibility, other than those factors, that if there was a prior, for example, H-1 petition, you're required to approve it or at least assume that it was properly granted rather than having to reinvent the wheel each time. This particular deference policy also states that the USCIS will consider but not defer to prior eligibility determinations 
by other U.S. government agencies. In the announcement, the USCIS explained that this action is in line with President Biden's executive order to restore faith in our legal immigration system and strengthen the integration and inclusion efforts for new Americans, which directs the Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security to identify barriers that impede access to immigration benefits and fair, efficient adjudication of these benefits. So bottom line is give deference, make things go away, don't keep adding more and more layers. So that's a great piece of news for you all as employers that are so concerned about having to reinvent the wheel and spend oodles and oodles of money filing new petitions or filing appeals or filing RFEs, uh, et cetera, through your outside counsel. Next, I'm going to invite uh, Joel to go ahead and talk a little bit about uh, the differences that we're seeing between the two, the two administrations. So I, I think um, one of the issues that people are, are concerned about or wondering about is what is going to happen as far as adjudication trends bet- uh, under the new administration versus the previous administration. Um, to be clear, it, it's very early. It's much too early to be able to say definitively that one is better or, or, or uh, more reasonable than, than the uh, previous administration. Um, I think that pretty much everyone is assuming that it is going to get better in many respects. Um, it's, it's hard to imagine it getting any worse. Um, but I anecdotally, we are when, when you see an approval come in now or an RFE come in today uh, versus a, you know several months ago back back last year when we had the previous administration, it's hard to say that that is based on just a change in administration. Um, but I suspect, I think, uh, I strongly suspect that once you start looking at the approval rates, the RFE rates uh, nationally, when those statistics come out, you know, within the next year or so, you're going to start to see a definitive trend going back to where things were before. Um, and we should say before 2016, it's not that everything was so great. It's not that USCIS was so reasonable and, and so, you know, wonderful to work with, but <laughs> at least it feel like you were constantly for every little inch you were combating, uh, you know, a, a foe as opposed to someone that's just trying to make sure you meet the requirements. So I don't think we're going to all be saying kumbaya and saying everything is wonderful, but at least we're going to have a sense that things are, are more fair um, as they were a number of years ago under under both Republican and Democrat administrations prior to, to our, our uh, Biden's immediate predecessor. Thank you, Joel, for that very uh, uh, coherent and sort of lucid explanation so that people can sort of see that it's like probably not going to be a complete 180-day turn just for the sake of it, but we at least can expect more rational, reasonable, and not extreme across the board, just deny for the sake of deny, issue RFEs for the sake of issuing RFEs, which we had unfortunately seen in the past four years. So now where do we see things moving forward? What do we see on the horizon? What, I know Murthy a law firm plans to submit many comments, do a lot of things, be more proactive, because unlike the prior administration, we are actually being asked to provide meaningful feedback on how to improve the system, how to remove barriers uh, that had impeded the immigration process, et cetera. So, Ali, I'm going to invite you to start, and then maybe, Joel, for you to jump in as well. Ali? Sure. So, the one, one major thing that we're expecting to see, hoping to see, uh, going to include in our comments, asking them to make happen, is 
the expansion of premium processing. So back in October 2020, we all got really excited because Congress passed the spending bill, which included uh, basically permission for premium processing to be kind of expanded beyond its somewhat limited use at the moment. Uh, basically allowing categories that don't get premium processing who could really benefit from it to now get it, which could be a real game changer for a lot of people. So the one big one would be expanding it to include H4s and H4 EADs. So this would be huge because the current processing time for an H4 extension application and an EAD application is very long. And you're looking at a lot of H4 and EAD holders who are losing their work, their, their ability to help support their family has been hindered because they have to sit and wait for these lengthy adjudication times for their cases to be approved. So if we can get premium for those cases, it's really going to have an impact on speeding those up, fixing the basically a huge backlog of those cases, and getting these people back to work and, you know, really kind of where they want to be. Um, part of that as well is hoping to see an elimination of the biometrics requirement. So part of the reason H4s are taking so long uh, is because of the requirement that a biometrics be completed before they can be approved. So it's taking months to get the biometrics notice, then you have to go and do it, and then it takes, you know, a couple months even more, who knows, there's no real standard time for them to then adjudicate the case after that. So when COVID came around and uh, none of the offices were opening and they weren't scheduling any biometrics appointments, then those got pushed back. And so it's kind of spiraled and snowballed into this crazy backlog of cases and people in a really bad position. So we're hoping that with premium processing becoming available for these types of cases, those things can be avoided. But a big piece of that will be the elimination of the biometrics requirements. There are a couple of other things that we've been, we're going to be asking the administration to do. We, um, one of these is related to the B2 bridging policy. Um, so this is a little bit complicated, but uh, under the previous administration, they implemented this frankly, bizarre and unnecessary requirement that people that were changing to F1 status and, and those applications, those I-539 applications, were taking months and months and months. Um, and what would happen is that the person's status would expire, the underlying status would expire while that change of status application was pending. And it used to be that USCIS would adjudicate those cases per normal. The person was in status at the time of filing. And then suddenly they decided, nope, we need you to maintain status until the F1 is approved. Even though it's, it's USCIS's fault that the applications are taking so long to adjudicate, they're now going to add an, they, they added an additional burden, forcing people to file these underlying B2 change of status applications just to main, you know, to, on paper to maintain status. And sometimes you'd be filing two, maybe even three of these completely unnecessary applications. It's a waste of adjudication time, a waste of money. Um, so we were asking the, the Biden administration to get rid of that policy. Um, and I think that's very doable. Um, we also are, there's one thing we are asking for that we've asked for for previous administrations. We haven't unfortunately had any positive response, but we, we will keep asking because it's so important and it will do so much good to the immigrant community, which is to ask that 
the Biden administration change their interpretation of the regulations and the, uh, the uh, of the regulations on how they count immigrant visa numbers. And what that means is right now, if, if you are an EB2 or EB3 from India and you get your green card, that counts as one immigrant visa number. But then if you have a spouse and three kids, those are another you know, three or four numbers, immigrant visa numbers uh, that they're, they're using. And there's a, a limited number of immigrant visas they can issue per fiscal year. Well, the regulation doesn't say you have to count the family members. If we only counted the principal, the EB2 worker, uh, and didn't count the spouse or the children, there would be a bunch of extra green cards they could issue every year. And you could help to really, really put a dent in these backlogs. Um, and so we are urging the administration to take that stance. Uh, this, this concept has been floated around for some of the immigration reform statutes, but statutes require an act of Congress. This is something that we are hoping the administration could do on its own to really, really help the, the U.S. immigration system. Thank you, Joel. So, I mean, it sounds especially because in the overhaul policy that Biden had proposed initially, that President Biden had proposed, he had obviously said, let's increase the immigrant visa numbers, let's consider elimination of per-country quota limits. So they seem more open than any prior administration with respect to this. So that's the good news, and maybe it'll happen because Congress generally tends to follow the lead of the president, or at least the party members tend to propose bills accordingly. Uh, so as you can see, in the first few months, uh, within 100 days, we're just past 100 days now, it's 105 days, the Biden administration has certainly taken direct action to improve the U.S. immigration law and policies. We've seen a number of executive act actions and policy announcements that show a departure from the prior administration's anti-immigrant policies. Uh, and of course, while we are very pleased, I guess, there's still a lot of work to be done because there's a lot of damage that has occurred over the past four years. We need to really go back into change certain fundamental issues that have already become more entrenched. And we hope that by providing feedback and the administration being open, we will continue to work together. And you all as employers are welcome to join and provide feedback because that's one of the advantages of a democracy is the ability to speak and share your views and your mind, whether it's through organizations like TIE or IT Serves Alliance or other groups, if you can provide feedback, I think we can definitely make a dent. I know we try to stay with these meetings between 30 to 40 minutes, but I see we are under 30 minutes uh, at this point, which is really a record for us. But we have literally gone, it's like literally 24 minutes at this point. We have gone over a quick overview of the entire policies. We are happy to continue to fight for justice and fight for rights and help to help employers and employees in the process. And unless, uh, does the, do Joel or Ali want to add anything else uh, before we close? And if I see their face and they are saying no, then that means that on behalf of myself, Sheila Murthy, Joel Janovich, Allison Terry, and all of us at the Murthy Law Firm, we thank you for joining us this afternoon. We hope you will continue to stay engaged and get involved and provide feedback to the Biden administration so that it can help you, your employees, your business, and your company. And stay safe, stay healthy, and we pray for the well-being of your loved ones wherever they are in this world. And we hope we can all continue to fight for laws, for justice, and for good health and happiness. Take care and have a great afternoon. Thank you. This is a free service.
The content is the protected, copyrighted property of the Murthy Law Firm. Unauthorized recording or dissemination of these materials without prior permission is prohibited by law. Learn about our firm, how to engage our services and more at www.murthy.com.